I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the potential abuse of the employee retention tax credit. During the pandemic, Congress created the Employee Retention Tax Credit, a payroll tax credit designed to incentivize businesses to retain and pay their employees during government shutdowns. We talked about details of the credit on a prior episode. In today's episode, we discuss the unexpected and um, potentially unjustified magnitude of credit payments. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. Uh, so today we are talking about the employee retention tax credit or the employee retention credit for short. Uh-huh. And if you're asking yourself, um, haven't we already done this before? Uh-huh, I am. The answer is yes. Okay, good. So I'm not going completely senile. Not just yet. Not just yet. Great. Great. Okay. Question. Mm-hmm. Um, are we rehashing this for a good reason or are we becoming like other entertainment venues and just recycling old material due to say a writer's strike or lack of imagination? Okay. So first uh, question, you just characterized us as an entertainment venue. And writers. And writers. There, were a lot, there were lots of characters. There were things that okay. were said. All right. I'll stand by them. Sure. Yeah. But to answer your question, so yes, I would say that um, in general, I do lack imagination, but I'm, I'm not sure I'm following where you're trying to go with that other than calling me out for being unimaginative. I'm just thinking of like on TV, it seems like everything's a reboot. Oh, right? yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Following. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're sitting here in Texas mm-hmm. together. We have a reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. But just called Walker this time. Just Walker. It's edgy. The Equalizer. Yep. Quantum Leap. Uh-huh. Magnum PI. Yes. I could go on. You could. Are we just rebooting the employee retention tax credit here? Okay. It's a fair question. I think I would characterize it maybe as more we're spinning off. Okay. 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 So we've got like a 90210 Melrose Place situation happening here. Oh God. I did it. I'm I apologize (laughs) listeners. I, it didn't take much and we got there and I'm wishing that we hadn't gotten there. So I apologize. It was my fault. I walked right into it. All you had to do was say TV. Okay. So difference here. So we've got our spinoff. Okay. Our first show was a fairly peaceful affair. It was about the credit. It was about how to compute it. Yes. Uh, we had Stefan Richter on to talk about who was publicly disclosing it in their financial statements, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. This spinoff, mm-hmm. as we're going to call it, it's going to up the drama and the in- intrigue uh, substantially. As you would expect of any spinoff. 100%. I think we are going full primetime soap opera territory here. All right. I, uh, I guess we'll have some of the stars from the first show do a little bit of a guest appearance on this show so that we could bridge the two and, and get people interested to, to follow our spinoff here. Absolutely. I mean, Jenny Garth was on the first several episodes of Melrose Place, so it only makes sense to do something similar here. Okay. The star, so to speak, of our first show on the employee retention tax credit was the details of the credit. Congress developed the employee retention tax credit to incentivize businesses to retain and pay their workforce during the pandemic. The credit offered the possibility of an immediate cash infusion in the form of a refundable payroll tax credit for companies that continue to pay their employees while experiencing either a government-ordered shutdown or a significant decline in their gross receipts. And on that show... Yes. Uh, uncharacteristically, we actually kind of lauded the credit and like applauded Congress for making what we thought at the time was a fairly well-designed credit. So we, we liked something for once. We did. It was very, very out of character. It was. Um, and the reasons why, you know, first of all, we said making the credit refundable was smart because it meant that money went into the hands of businesses immediately. They didn't have to wait till a period where they were taxable to benefit. Yep. And then second, we said that we liked the fact that they made it a payroll tax credit mm-hmm. because it was tying the incentive 
keeping your employees to the activity it was meant to incentivize. So you're paying your workforce when you pay employees, you got to have a payroll tax. Let's put the credit up against the payroll tax. Yep. Uh, The credit was originally capped at a max of $5,000 per employee. Okay. But it subsequently was increased to be $7,000 per employee per quarter. Oh, wow. So that max jumped up to $28,000 per employee. That's not chump change. No, it's not at all. Yeah. So all of this sounds like pretty good design. We thought so. Yeah. However, there are some issues. So first, the requirements for determining whether a business qualifies are, I'm going to say complicated. Shocker. Okay. And they leave room for interpretation. That's putting it mildly. Which is another way of saying imagination and creativity, Uh right? Second, although the credit was intended to keep workers receiving payments during the pandemic, companies were able to claim the credit and get cash even after the pandemic ended. Yeah. And that's the weird part here. Yeah. So most businesses became ineligible to claim the credit for wages paid after September 30th, 2021. Okay. There was another small contingent of businesses called recovery startup businesses that could have claimed the credit for wages paid up to December 31st, 2021. Okay. Still almost two years ago. Right. But companies can claim the credit today and get cash today, two years later, by filing an amended payroll tax return. Interesting. So typically an originally filed payroll tax return for wages paid during that third calendar quarter of 2021, July through September, would have been due October 31st, 2021, almost two years ago. But an amended return would not be due until October 31st of 2024. So companies basically can keep asking for and getting cash Mm -hmm. for paying workers two or three years ago. So the cash received now is totally disconnected from that decision to retain and pay workers three years ago. Yes. Meaning we've moved from a situation where the credit is incentivizing desirable behavior to one where companies are basically just grabbing free cash on the table as a reward for something they already did. Yes. Okay. Yes. To be clear, someone Mm. could have retained and paid their workforce and now they're just collecting for it later. Sure. That already is not great, that timing mismatch. But on top of that, we've got some speculation that people never qualified for this credit to begin with Mm. and are getting paid out for it. The credit is available to businesses who were subject to, quote, full or partial suspension of operations on account of a governmental order or who experienced a significant decline in gross receipts during the pandemic, end quote. So you were saying really nebulous things like a partial shutdown and a significant (laughs) disruption to your business. Uh Uh-huh. What do these words mean? So the IRS tries to help, I I guess, if you go to the IRS website and you ask, like, what is a partial shutdown of my business? Uh, They define it as more than nominal. Define nominal This is not helpful. (laughs) We're going in circles. Yeah. Even something that should be straightforward, like you were shut down because of government order, like that Mm. seems straightforward. But it's not because there are actually differences between an order to shut down and a recommendation to shut down. And if you shut down because your government recommended it, you're not qualified for this credit. Mm. So the point here is that there's a lot of complexity and um, not a lot of guidance. Okay. And who is overseeing this complicated, vague, and potentially very lucrative credit? The IRS. Yeah. The underfunded, overworked, shrinking, maligned IRS. Yeah. You've basically got a perfect storm here, a maximum of $28,000 per employee credit that it seems like any business could possibly claim eligibility for. 
and it's being overseen by an agency that barely have enough has enough resources to do its day-to-day job. So this is a recipe for disaster. It is, and that's exactly what we have. We have a disaster on our hands. A report issued by our favorite, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration in 2022. I love TIGTA. They're great. They just, they do all the things. They do all the things. So they issued a report and found that the IRS did not have processes in place to verify whether those recovery startup businesses, that group I told you could mm-hmm. get the credit through 2021, um, they didn't have any processes in place to verify whether a business that said they were a recovery startup business was actually a recovery startup business. And now I'm I'm remembering the charity scandal. Uh, yeah, right? right. Okay, very, very good analogy right there. Okay. So yeah, the IRS basically, when the, when, uh, the inspector general pushed them on it, they said, well, companies have to you know sign under penalty of perjury okay. that they do qualify. And so the IRS was basically just saying, we're gonna take your word for it. Sure. Right, because everybody's honest. Always works. Always. Um, and so some quick investigating by the treasury inspector general identified almost 1,000 businesses that claimed they were these recovery startup businesses, uh, but likely weren't. Yeah. And on top of that, the Treasury Inspector General estimated that as many as 73% of amended payroll tax returns claiming the credit should have been referred to examination for further review, but were not. Whoops. So using a small sample, they estimated that the IRS had paid 45 million in potentially erroneous claims on just 200 amended returns. Woof. Yeah. Those numbers are not great. No. When Congress passed the credit, the Joint Committee on Taxation estimated a cost of $55 billion. That estimate then rose to $85 billion when the credit was expanded. As of March of 2023, the IRS has paid more than $150 billion. Yeah. And that number could have risen to $220 billion by July. So yeah, that's almost three times what was originally estimated. Yeah. And you would like to think that the JCT doesn't just whiff that badly on estimates. You'd like to think. So if we're estimating $85 billion and we're not even done yet, we've still got a whole other year and a half that these amended returns can come in and we've already tripled that amount. Yeah. It seems like there's something going on. It does. Yes. So to their credit, the IRS did realize that something was potentially amiss. Okay, that's good. Um, In July 2023, the service slowed their processing of amended payroll tax returns that involved the credit due to, quote, the complexity of the amended returns and the increase in aggressive and misleading marketing campaigns luring honest small businesses and organizations into claiming the credit when they are not eligible for it, end quote. As of September of 2023, the IRS had 735,000 unprocessed amended payroll tax returns, and that's when they pulled the plug. Yeah. On September 14th of 2023, IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel called for an immediate moratorium on processing new credit claims. This moratorium will run through at least the end of 2023 and was issued in response to these concerns that a large portion of those new claims are not actually eligible no. and result from we're going to be generous here we are. and say innocent taxpayers who are being scammed by aggressive promoters and marketers who all take a cut of whatever is claimed by the innocent taxpayers okay so innocent taxpayers being scammed by aggressive promoters i told you this was going to be a dramatic spinoff you, you did you didn't lie now i want to hear more about these aggressive scammers as you wish
we've talked about how the complexity of the law and the underfunding of the IRS both contributed to a much larger than expected uptake of the employee retention tax credit. So now let's shift our focus and talk about the army of promoters and marketers out there who are pushing companies to file potentially bogus claims. Yeah, so the credit spawned a wave of what the media is calling ERC mills, employee retention credit mills. Okay. And these are basically shady promoters that are reaching out to honest businesses in an attempt to convince them that they qualify for the credit, charge them sometimes pretty exorbitant fees, Mm -hmm. and potentially leave them holding the bag if they eventually wind up not qualifying and the IRS tries to claim back some of that refund that it paid. Right. The Wall Street Journal has reported extensively on these ERC mills. These firms exist with the sole objective of getting more businesses to file amended payroll tax returns to claim the credit. And they use radio, online, and TV ads in addition to cold calling businesses in order to pitch the credit to them. So you have started to watch football. I have, NFL. Have you seen one? I think there was one on during the Super Bowl. There was like an employee retention tax credit Okay. I just started to watch football. Well, I mean, timing is all messed up here, right? Something That's true. Is, so, That's true. I mean, that was a decision I made a year <laughs> exactly. ago, but I could claim, go back, claim the knowledge now. Yeah. Watch it again. Sure. So I'm pretty sure it was during the Super Bowl. Don't quote me on that. Um, but the modern family, the actor who plays the dad, yeah. Ty Burrell, he appeared in an ad about the employee retention tax credit. This, okay. is, this is crazy to me. It was for a company called Innovation Refunds. Okay. And in one of the ads, you know, Ty and the small business owner are walking down the street and the small business owner says, you know, that his, his tax accountant told him that he didn't qualify for the ERC. Okay. And Ty Burrell says, we should go get a second opinion. So that's like kind of the theme of the ad, like go get a second opinion. A qualified CPA tells you you don't qualify. Go ask someone else. They're called ERC mills because this is exactly what happened with people who couldn't get prescriptions from their primary care yes. physician. And so went to the doctor who was willing to prescribe all sorts of opioids left and right. right? Excellent. Yes. Okay. Okay. So Howard, I'm sorry, Howard Mackler, Makler, he's the CEO of Innovation Refunds. And he was quoted by the Wall Street Journal as saying his firm spent $10 million a month Ooh. on marketing advertising for Mm -hmm. the credit Mm -hmm. and that their company has filed over 4,000 refund claims totaling over $1.3 billion of refunds. Yowzer. That's one company. According to the Wall Street Journal, one business owner paid innovation refunds 25% of the refund in order to process the claim. That's a lot. That's a lot. The owner's regular accountant offered to complete the filing for much less and also estimated that the business qualified for a much smaller credit. Hence, get the second opinion. Yeah. Another consulting firm called Bottom Line Concepts says it has filed over $6 billion in ERC tax refund claims for clients and in the process collected just over a billion dollars in fees for themselves. Wow. Now, Bottom Line has an interesting approach. They pay commissions to quote affiliates who connect potential clients to the consulting firm. Mm -hmm. So the firm charges companies a fee equal to anywhere between 15 and 25% of the refund they receive. Then they pass 10% of that amount onto the affiliate who made the client introduction. Okay, now one could argue. Okay. I'm trying here. Let's hear it. That the 15 to 25% fee is quote, worth it. All right. Because bottom line and these other consulting firms are doing the hard work of determining if the company qualifies for the credit or not. Okay. But according to the Wall Street Journal, Mm -hmm. while bottom line does the calculations for its clients, it leaves it to the business to determine if it's even eligible for the credit or not. So um, no, not worth it. No, 
paying someone 15 to 25% to do addition and subtraction. No, no, no. Okay. So this is bad. This is not good. And we all know it's bad. So you may be asking, what is the IRS doing to stop these promoters? <laughs> With all of their time and resources. Okay. All right. We're doing what we can do. Okay. So the most immediate thing they're doing is trying to educate taxpayers. Oh, I like that. So the IRS has created an interactive website for businesses to use to check their eligibility for the credit. Okay. And before you get too excited that I just used the phrase interactive website in the context of the IRS, mm -hmm. uh, let me say that I tried it. Okay. Um, it was a website. Okay. Uh, it was interactive. Oh, okay. Whether it was useful, unclear. Ah, uh, okay. So I tried different combinations of answers to the questions and a couple of times I got the response, maybe eligible. Super helpful. And then I got redirected to another page of FAQs to go figure out on my own if I was eligible. Okay. The IRS webpage dedicated to the employee retention tax credit also has that Q&A section related to scams. Mm -hmm. Warning signs include receiving a cold call. Yep. Somebody claiming it's an easy application process, mm -hmm. which I think we've sufficiently refuted. That, that is dead. Fees based on a percentage of the refund amount. Mm, like 15 to 25%. Uh -huh. Sounds familiar. In general, the IRS warns taxpayers to avoid working with tax preparers who charge contingency fees. In any setting. In any setting. And the moratorium itself is something the IRS is doing to slow down these promoters, right? If you can no longer receive yep. the refund, yep. then that's probably going to maybe inhibit some of the activity. A hundred percent. Because the nice thing, the nice thing is mm -hmm. that these promoters were waiting until you got paid to take their 15 to 20%. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. When the IRS announced the moratorium, it said it was doing so amid, quote, rising concerns about a flood of improper claims and in order to protect honest small business owners from scams. The IRS is trying to protect against tax fraud and also to protect businesses from facing penalties and interest stemming from these bogus claims. So they're trying. They are trying. And it turns out that the moratorium might actually be working. Oh, that's nice to hear. So the Des Moines Register reported that this innovation refunds company planned to lay off about 40% of its workforce right after the IRS issued the moratorium. And lest we have to wonder, is this correlation or causation? Okay. Right? Because mm -hmm. one does not imply the other. The company's VP of communications cleared that up for us. Okay. And confirmed that the layoffs were, in fact, the direct result of the moratorium. Okay. The company said they didn't think it would be fair to take new applications just in case the IRS suddenly changed the criteria for claiming the credit, which actually the IRS cannot do. Right. Very kind. Yeah. Very kind. The IRS has also been working with the Justice Department and its own criminal investigation division to identify fraud and promoters of fraudulent claims. As of July 31, the criminal investigation division has initiated 252 investigations involving over 2.8 billion of potentially fraudulent claims. And there have been 15 federally charged cases. Six of those have resulted in convictions and four of those have reached the sentencing phase with the average sentence being 21 months. So there, there, there are some consequences uh, yes. to these actions. Yes, makes sense. So now it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And I'm I, I'm getting the sense based on the look of uh, on my <laughs> co-host's face here that I'm going to be solely responsible for the good. Not saying anything. <laughs> okay. 
So uh, I think there are a couple of things here. Okay. First of all, we liked the design originally mm-hmm. of the credit. Okay. In theory. Are we big fat dummies? No, it's just that we've said it before and I'll say it again. Tax policy is hard. Yeah. Designing good policy is hard. Designing it is hard. Implementing it is even harder. Like when you get down to the details of how do we calculate this and who gets to claim it and, you know, uh, can you use a paid preparer, right? Like it, it gets very muddled. Yes. Um, but it, the idea was good. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the legislative intent behind the employee retention tax credit was good. When we try to require uh, a lot of the implementation to fall on the shoulders of the IRS, now all of a sudden we're in, we're, we're in the bad, yeah. right? Okay, so I am gonna say something good because something did pop into my mind. Wow. I'm trying. I think it's maybe the name Danny Warfel. Like it, it, I, I think of UF, I have good, I, I wanna help Danny out. Okay. I wanna help out Commissioner Warfel. I think they're at least trying, right? Yeah. Like to your point, the IRS didn't design this credit. Congress designed the credit. Yep. They could have, in theory, put something in that limited the time period for amended returns, but they didn't do that likely yep. because they didn't know that it was a thing. Um, so the IRS has, has kind of gotten saddled with mm-hmm. what turned out to be not perfectly designed credit. And I feel like they are trying. They are trying their best. They're trying to educate, put those resources out there. They're talking about settlements and amnesty programs, and they're doing it I think as soon as they realized the magnitude of the problem, they stepped in to try to do something about it. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to give them a bone and say, I think, I think that, that they're handling it as, as well as they can. The moratorium was a, was a good. Yes. Could okay. it have come earlier? Maybe. Yeah. But it came and that's a good thing. Bad, I think here is fairly obvious mm-hmm. that you've got these companies and people stepping in and taking advantage of a situation where the IRS was handed something really big and complicated didn't have the resources to undertake it. And now you have a whole bunch of people clamoring, trying to get this money that they may or may not deserve, driven by these greedy, yeah, not fully forthcoming, not fully on the up and up promoters and, and marketers. And I'm going to just drag that right into ugly territory. Yeah, We've said, and as everyone listening to this podcast knows, taxes are complicated. It's not fair to expect the average taxpayer to fully understand the intricacies of a complex strategy that a tax provider is trying to quote unquote sell them. You're, Mm -hmm. you're trusting them, you're relying on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you can wind up getting penalized for trusting and and taking advantage of something that somebody told you was okay, that doesn't feel great. It doesn't. And I think last thing I'll say, this goes back to something that Ayushi Roy talked about on the episode Mm, where we welcomed her about how, um, many social initiatives and benefits we administer through the tax system. Yes. And this was another example. There were other ways that Congress could have gotten yeah. money into the hands of employers who were paying and retaining their workforce, but they chose to take the tax route. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what you get. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 